All right. Let's, uh, this, is my, this is the message that's on my heart today. Fulfilling the call of God. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. We're going to put the Scripture up here on the screen. These are the words of Paul, exhorting the church at Thessalonica. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And then the exhortation that the Apostle Paul gives his protege, Timothy, says this, this fact of honor, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well and are worthy of a double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. So I'm going to just go out and say this now. Steve, I want to honor you and Sonia for your long, faithful journey in ministry. That's what this passage says. That's what this passage says to all of you, that you ought to honor those whose work is preaching and teaching. There's so much warfare. There's not a bigger target on anybody's back other than your, your point leaders. And so pray for them. Encourage them. Honor them. I believe this house does honor uh, this couple, but I want to honor you. And we're going to talk about it in this message that longevity in ministry is no small feat. Let's talk about the calling of God this morning. Each one of us are called to make a contribution, to use our gifts, and God has a, a kingdom work for each of us to do. So I'm talking to the whole house this morning. Let's talk about the calling of God. It is a sacred trust. You don't sign up for it. You don't find it. It finds you. I was called into ministry when I was 23 years old. I got saved. I was a hippie that got saved. You talk about the Jesus revolution. I was part of that. So, so Jesus became my king. And so I was at this church. We got involved. And they said they were having a missions conference. And I said, what is a missions conference? I've never heard of a missions conference. Well, in that church, it was like having revival for a few days and with a missions emphasis. So we came. You know, I'd work construction all day, came into the, the church. They were in each Sunday school room. There were missionaries there showing slides. There was a, the slides that were up there on the, on the wall were about making these blocks out of red dirt in Ethiopia and building a church. And I'm looking at that, and I'm going, what does that have to do with me? And it was about that time that, that there was this tap that was on my shoulder that was this real. That's the shoulder, too. And, and so a friend of mine had come in and sat down behind me. And so I said, what do you want, Mike? I mean, it was that real. And no one was there for three rows. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Sit up, boy, I've got something for you. Now, I want you to know this. The, the, the Lord doesn't always speak in King James English. He will speak in a language that you understand. And I said yes to the Lord, and that changed the direction of my life. That's why I'm here today with you. I told my pastor about the experience. He began discipling me in the ministry. Soon I went to a conference with other young ministers. I talked to one guy who was there and I asked him, you know, how was it that the Lord called you into ministry? He said, well, I went to college and graduated. 
I was considering some vocations, and I thought ministry might be a good job. I thought, interesting. The fact is, you don't choose kingdom ministry. It chooses you. Mama don't call you in the ministry. Papa don't call you in the ministry. The Holy Spirit calls you in the ministry. And thank God for godly mamas and papas because they're going to give you some guidance and direction. God calls people into ministry. I, there are several examples in Scripture I could give you. I just want to give you one. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to look at the call of Elisha. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. We'll have it up here for you. You need to back up a little bit. We, we kind of ran by it, I think. Oh, maybe we skipped some things there. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 20. There we go. Thank you. I think you were on. I think I was off, Carly. All right. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shapheth. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he, he himself was driving with the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back, and he took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, and he gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. The call of God becomes the foremost focus of your life. Elisha left the farm. To wear that mantle of Elijah for a moment was electric. He wasn't looking for it. It was the call of God that came at that moment and how that the Lord directed Elijah to that particular man on that particular farm to place his mantle then upon him. Elisha left the farm. And then, remember Jesus when He called to Peter and Andrew, they were casting their nets into the lake. And He said, come and follow Me, I'll make you fishers of men at once. They left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers. There was James and John. And they were in a boat fishing with, the fa with their father. And Jesus called to them. The Scripture says, immediately they left their boat and their father and followed Jesus. So when the call of God comes upon you, it becomes the ultimate priority of your life. Now, it doesn't always mean that you won't work in the marketplace. Ministry was the primary focus of Paul, but he made tents to pay expenses at times. But it becomes your ultimate priority. And the pathway to ministry starts by serving. Verse 21, Then Elisha set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. The calling experience doesn't qualify you for ministry. It simply means God's asking you to serve Him. 
your yes to God means that you will submit to the pathway of preparation. And that pathway will certainly be relational. God will have you learn from others. There will be leaders that He places in your life. And their training helps to qualify you to minister for God. There are people who want the title, but they don't want the teaching. There are people who want to play the position, but they don't want to come to practice. Those people don't ever amount to much in the kingdom of God. The disciples were often arguing among themselves which one of them was the greatest. And so Jesus called them out on that issue. And then He took a basin. And then He took a towel. And He knelt down and He washed their feet. This is what it looks like to be a servant. So Elisha followed Elijah and became his servant. And there were a number of stops along the way. And each stop had its significance. There was Gilgal. You can read, read in the history. If you, here's your assignment for this week. Go and read about this story in 2 Kings. Because it continues there. So Elisha follows Elijah and they, they, they come to Gilgal. Gilgal was the place of consecration. That's where Joshua had the men circumcised before they and, and established that covenant before they went into the promised land. So it had that significance of, of, of consecration. And then there's Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. So they traveled there. Um, and, and that is like uh, giving your whole heart or being filled with the Spirit, that the, the presence of the Lord fills the whole house. You know, we're a temple to be filled with God's Spirit. And then, of course, there's Jericho. And Jericho is the place of warfare. That's where uh, the walls had to, had to come down and, and where you learn to fight the battles in faith and see God show up on your behalf. Yeah, those had significance. It's kind of interesting. Some scholars say that, that this was, of course, Elijah's farewell to and each in one of each one of these places there was the school of the prophets. You'll read that mentioned. And but but at the same time, at every one of those places, Elijah turns to Elisha and says, You can stay here. I'm going on. You will find on your kingdom journey that you're going to have the option to rest on your accomplishments. You can just settle at your current level of serving. You can choose not to move on any further. Just stay where you are. Be comfortable and satisfied with the distance that you've come. But if you do, you're going to stop short of your increased anointing. Your deeper kingdom experiences and what Jesus called the greater works. You'll stop short of your kingdom destiny. Now, Elisha refused to settle at a lesser place. He continues to serve and follow Elijah. Finally, they come to the Jordan River. And it was then that the chariots of fire came down like a whirlwind and, and swept Elijah up to heaven. And when he did, he dropped his mantle. Now to get across the river, Elijah had taken his mantle, hit the Jordan River, it had parted, they walked across. Now Elijah, Elisha, picks up that mantle, comes back to the river. 
He takes the mantle. He hits the river. It parts. He walks across in the school of prophets say, Oh, the spirit that was on Elijah is now on Elisha. Yeah, now this mantle has become his. He owns it. Elisha desired a double portion of Elijah's anointing and wouldn't settle until he got it. Now maybe it's because I'm an old man, don't laugh at that. But at this stage of my life, I'm finding powerful perspective as I look back over the journey through the years. There are faith lessons and acts of God that, that we've all experienced in the past. And at the time, we didn't maybe realize their significance. So to look backward over history, trace the hand of God, gives us a better understanding of what He's doing now and where He's leading us into the future. It gives us spiritual perspective for the presence and also assurance for the future. Some of you have been wondering about your ministry. The accuser has been badgering you about your perceived ineffectiveness. You have your own questions. Shouldn't there be more fruit for my labors? Shouldn't we see God doing more? I hear testimonies of God doing amazing things through other people in other towns. Why aren't we seeing those things in our town? Let me say this to you. You need to receive this. If God wanted someone else where you are at this present time, He would do that. But He chose you. He pointed you in this location. You are God's choice for this kingdom assignment. You are His best person for the job. So say no to the accuser. Say no to those questions and doubts that keep running around through your mind. You need to receive this affirmation. You are the right person in the right place at the right time. God said to Esther, I have raised you up for such a time as this. No one else in all the world has the assignment that you've been given. You are the right person in the right place at the right time. It's time for you to fully embrace it. Celebrate it. Wrap your ministry mantle around yourself and serve with confidence, boldness, and joy. God has no one else for this assignment but you. I want to say a few more things, and then we'll close. The call of God in the kingdom ministry lands on the character of Christ. We represent Jesus to people. We're not perfect. We don't always get it right. But God calls ministers to a higher standard. The Scripture says that teachers and leaders in the church will be judged with a greater strictness. That's why they get honored. Those who do it well. James 3.1 Judged with a greater strictness. We're to be examples of Jesus to the flock. A few years ago, a ministry brother gave me a book entitled Finishing Strong. Finishing Strong. By Steve Farrar. 
The author begins with this true story. How many of you have heard of Billy Graham? How many of you have heard of Chuck Templeton or Cliff Braun? Well, in 1945, Billy Graham wasn't the only young preacher packing auditoriums. Chuck Templeton and Braun Clifford were doing the same thing, and more. All three young men were in their mid-twenties. One seminary professor called Chuck Templeton the most gifted and talented young man in all the United States. Braun Clifford, I think I said Cliff Braun, Braun Clifford was tall and handsome. He preached to thousands. He was even sought after for movies. And some of you old-timers like me might remember the movie The Robe. Hollywood went after Cliff, uh, Braun Clifford to be the, the star in that movie. Many believe that he was the most gifted and talented preacher that the church had seen in centuries. In 1945, all three, Graham, Templeton, Clifford, came shooting out of the starting blocks like rockets. You've heard of Billy Graham. How come you haven't heard of Chuck Templeton and Braun Clifford? Well, just five years later, Templeton left the ministry to pursue a career in, as a television commentator. He decided that he no longer believed in the validity of the claims of Christ. He preached to thousands. Now he no longer believed. And less than 10 years later, Braun Clifford lost his family, his ministry, and his health. Alcoholism, financial irresponsibility ruined his life. He left his wife and his two Down Syndrome children. And he died in a shoddy hotel room outside of Amarillo, Texas. This once great preacher, dead at 35. So you may be called, and you may be gifted. But if you don't keep totally surrendered and faithful to God, you will run off the rails. Longevity in ministry... No small feat. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And longevity speaks to the faithfulness of the servant. It speaks to their sustained obedience to the call. It speaks of the consistent Christ-like character of the minister. It testifies of their continued humble usability for the cause of Christ. And that's why the Scripture exhorts us Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard and love because of their work. As you're considering your role in the kingdom, where you will serve, let me say this to you. The greatest challenge to your faith walk, to your serving, and fulfilling the call of God are the voices. You can't do that. You don't have what it takes. You aren't enough, and you've got that past. Yeah, that was the one that I wrestled with. You've got all those things you did. 
before you were a believer. God can't use you. But God calls. God redeems. God transforms. And He will make you a noble vessel. Worthy to serve in His kingdom. Get to where God is calling you to go. You'll have to say no to all the other voices. And every day, say yes to God. Then you'll absolutely fulfill your calling and your kingdom destiny. So here's the invitation this morning. If you've doubted and you've drifted, come and get back on course. Get surrendered and centered on Jesus and run the race in faithful obedience. The race that has been set before you, it looks a little different for each of us. And thirdly, determine to finish strong. Run for the prize for which God has called you heavenward in Christ Jesus.